Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. So let's jump into this. Um, and uh, to, to say yet one more time that we're in a stretch uh, where uh, Rashi does not have much to say except that we're probably going to get to a verse today where not only does he have something to say, he has one of the longest comments of Rashi that we've seen ever, just in terms of words and lines on a particular, on a particular verse. So uh, he, he emerges from his slumber at some point. Okay, so we are on verse 10, or we're about to read verse 10. I don't think that we read it last week. Uh, verse 9, uh, to remind us, God is speaking to Moshe. He says, Now, behold, the cry of the children of Israel, Ba'a'elai, is coming to me or, or has come to me, is probably better. We saw the pressure, which Egypt, um, which is, it's, it's Mitzrayim, it's pointed as Mitzrayim, not Mitzrim, even though it would look the same. Uh, in, um, without the vowels, so it's pointed as Egypt as opposed to Egyptians, but the verb is plural, which Egypt as a plural entity, lochatzim otam, are um, are pressuring them. Uh, Rashi was uh, quiet on that verse, and um, we discussed the verse at great length. If there are any remaining comments on it, I'd love to hear it. Otherwise, we can jump to verse 10. Any remaining comments on this verse? Going once. Twice. Okay. Um, Rebecca Menace, do you want to read verse uh, 11 for us? Sorry, verse 10. Sure. Vata lecha veshlechecha el paro gotseta mi bne Israel mimitsaim. And now go and I will send you. So go and then I will send you to Pharaoh. And um, take my take my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Good. There are three verbs in this sentence, right? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us, or can we'll start with you, Rebecca? What the the tense slash form of each of the three verbs are? Three verbs are lacha, the eshlachacha, and vahotse. So they all sound like future to me. Lacha is 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 uh, commanding, and Actually, all three. Um, so it's supposed to be vata, which is now. Right. But, but it is go in the future. No, go right now. <laughs> My grammar is not great. <laughs> okay. The reason why I'm lingering on is because it's a very precise grammar of the verse that Rashi is interested in. And these are interesting verbs. So lacha looks like it's not just future, but sivui. Right. Um, that was the word I was looking for. In modern Hebrew, we would say lech. There's a kind of a biblical version of a, of a, of a command that uh, there's an actual name for it, but I forgot. Maybe the jussive, if I'm not mistaken, um, where, the, where where it's it, that, that hey ending. It's almost like it's, it's a version of um, it's a version of like hava. Uh, in a sense that Hava is kind of a, a lead into a, a let us, but it's also a you should, right? So 
so it's probably a, a, a soft tzivui, a soft command of go. Ve'eshlachecha. Now, I want to look at that verb carefully. The root of ve'eshlachecha is shalach, to send. The suffix is cha, you. The prefix is the aleph, I. I send you. The form looks future, not command, because um, whereas Moshe is the un, is the implied subject of lacha, you go, but the you isn't mentioned. God is the subject of eshlachah, you can't command yourself, so it's just a future tense verb. And the vav in front of it is not a vav hahipuch, which changes it from looking like a future tense to a past tense. It's actually a vav consecutive, a vav achibur, go and, as opposed to go and then the next concept. So go, and then we move from tzivui, command, to uh, a, a, a future verb where I, God, and the subject. Go, and I will send you. Go, and I will send you to Pharaoh. And then what do we do with hotsei? What form is hotsei in, Rebecca? Tzivui, again. So we're back to tzivui, right? So it seems to be that we have um, three uh, v- verb forms. Command, future tense, Command. And it's only when you kind of slow it down that you see that. Before we look at Rashi and before and or calling on Rick, anyone want to want to say anything about what that progression of verbs does to the verse? Does it add any any contour to the verse? Command, future tense, I, and then command. Rick and then Diane Larry. Hi. Well, um, I was going to ask about the viata again. Um, we just had a viata last sentence, so why does God need to say now again? Okay. Um, it's not a big point. But then I hear lecha, <clears throat> and of course I think of Abraham with lech lecha. Um, wh- why is it lech there, and why is it lecha here? Uh, if it's only you should go, and and Ab- uh, with Abraham it was more of a just go, um, why the difference? Yeah, in the um, alliterative lech lecha, remember <clears throat> that the lecha of lech lecha is different than this lecha. This lecha is actually more like the lech of lech lecha. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But and why the, is it lecha here and lech with uh, Abe? Right, right. Because the, the lecha of lech lecha is lecha, to, to you or for you. Good. Yes. Good, good questions. Diane Larry? <clears throat> So I'm going to take issue with the eshlechacha, um, um, not from a grammatical point of view, I can't, but in terms of the context. So I want to go back for a second. I'm not going to read them all, but if you go back and read the beginning of the chapter up to this point, and just to remind you, so the bush is burning and Moses can't look at it, and then God, give, God is explaining to him what's going on. The explanation's over. God's done talking. He's, and so what is he saying? He says, now go. I am sending you. Not that I will send you. This is what I'm doing right now. I am sending you. What am I sending you to do? I'm sending you to go to Pharaoh to free my people. Case closed. Get out of here. From God's point of view, this, is the, this should be the end of this chapter or the end of this scene. We're going to go in a minute and talk, or maybe not a minute, maybe not even today. We're going to talk about Moses' reaction. But the truth is, from the point of view of what's going on, God expects that this is the end of the discussion. Moses has heard it all. 
and he knows what to do. He should know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I see the eshachacha to be, I am sending you as opposed to, I will send you. This is what I'm doing right this minute. Because he's already suggested that that's what he's going to do. So he doesn't need to say he's going to, because that's already been communicated. So now it's the moment he's doing it. Is that how you're reading by Shlachacha? Right. He's, 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 I mean, clearly the lecha, well, the means the immediacy of now. Do so, so now, go. Get out of here. Yeah. So it's interesting. The Chiddush, the, the right, it's not a Chiddush that, that God wants to go down to Egypt to free God's people, because that has been discussed already. It is a Chiddush that Moshe is being sent, right? This is the first moment in the narrative where, where it's not just God communicating to Moshe that God has heard in Egypt the stress of the people and God wants to do something about it. But this is the first moment in the narrative that Moshe is the actor, most of the one being sent. So, so there's, there's, I, I, I accept your, your read of it, and there's a response to your read of it, which is that if you in, interviewed Moshe before the, before the lacha, you might have had Moshe say, yeah, God is telling me, you know, that God's people is in trouble, but I'm not, I'm not implicated. I'm just being informed. Not only that, but in, again, I don't want to steal the thunder of what we're going to do in a minute, because in, in a minute, Moses is going to say, well, hold on a second. Wait a yeah. second. I'm not so fast, God. Right, right. The first of many times that Moshe is going to demure. Okay, uh, let's, um, so, let's hold that read in abeyance for a bit. Um, okay, can I add something here? Please. So, um, grammatically, there's not a lot of difference sometimes between future tense and present tense. Um, in, in English, we, we all the time, um, blur the two. Like when you say, I'm going to the store this afternoon, you're speaking in, in present tense about something that's actually future tense. Um, so to, so the difference between I will send you and I'm sending you isn't, certainly in translation, isn't very great. I'm not even sure in concept it's really very great. Yeah. And at least in English, idiomat- in idiomatic English, you can make the same... Um, distinction or non-distinction between a future verb and a command verb, right? Um, You will take them out of Egypt. Is that a command or is that a prediction, right? The will in English as a helper to the take um, can both, based on context, context, denote that, that something will happen in the future and it can also denote instruction. And it and kind of remember that as we get to Rashi on, on, on this verse, and the one thing that he says. Um, uh, apropos of what you just said, Diane, then I'm going to get the other hands that are up. Everett Fox is a very interesting translation of this, particularly because the tense and the form of the verbs is so interesting in this verse. It's interesting what Everett Fox chooses to translate and what he chooses not to translate. So he says, so now, comma, go. That suggests kind of a, a future slash command on the For I send you to Pharaoh. He renders the v'eshlachacha, which is written as a future verb, as a present tense verb, but as a present tense verb suggesting that it's happening now and moving forward. For I send you, not for I will send you, for I send you to Pharaoh. Bring my people, that's go back, that's, that's tzivui, command the botzei, the children of Israel out of Egypt. So uh, the, the great translators are having a hard time figuring out what category to put these verbs in. 
uh, Marshall, Joanna, Barry, Toba. Well, I, I always see the words, I see Tsivui as expressing a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. And if I go back to the beginning of verse 9, the Ata, that's a sense of urgency. Now you got to do this. And also at the beginning of verse 10, Viata, same thing. It's Akat in verse 9. It's not, I need Royata Matzav shall B'nai Yisrael. I see the situation of B'nai Yisrael. But I see that they are crying out to me. Mm-hmm. That's, again, a sense of urgency. And here we have the same thing, a sense of urgency being expressed by the fact we have the, the Tzivui form, Licha, then maybe a little bit of a pause, and then uh, the Hotse. So God is saying, you better pay attention to this right now. Time is of the essence. Great. And that kind of responds to Rick's comment about why the double now, right? What, what, what one now would have been sufficient? Double now suggests an urgency to the urgency, a meta urgency. Uh, Joanna? I wonder, in addition to your point about Fox's translation, um, I wonder if he's getting at something that also is like sort of tweaking me at, at me about this verse um, by putting in that for and kind of, you know, separating out that phrase, the for I will send you almost feels like a phrase that could be in parentheses. Because if I were writing the story, I would have put the verbs in a different order, right? It's funny to sort of start with Moshe, you as the subject, then switch to God, then go back to Moshe. And I think also in the logical sequence, first, God says, I will send you, and therefore, now go. So to me, it would have been much, it would have made much more sense if the verse had been written, I will send you, go, and free the Israelites. Fascinating. Never thought about that. Right. Viata eshlachacha el paro. Lech the Hotseat at Bene Israel Mimitraim. Yeah, we should send a letter to the editor of the Torah and suggest that the verbs should have been in a different order. Wonderful. I love that comment. Thank you. Barry Tova. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking of a, a baseball pitcher's metaphor. Oh, yeah, I'm on mute. Oh, can you okay. hear me? Oh. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, first, Moshe's got to get moving. So the, the the ball the ball the ball has to get in motion by Moshe. Uh, God's putting a spin on the ball so that it curves, and Moshe is now the spin ball is going to go and, and uh, Moshe is putting the spin on Moshe to come bring the people out. So it's it's like uh, I'm just seeing this 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 picture. That's what these tenses are doing. Moshe, get get going. I'm going to spin you, and you're going to bring them out. Hmm. Uh, I, I always am in the mood for a baseball metaphor, so thank you for that, Barry. While Tova speaks to Rebecca, if someone has the JPS translation in front of them, I'd love to hear how they render the actual tenses of these verbs. Tova? Um, yeah, what I found myself focusing on was the, those two first verbs because – as Joanne sort of intimated, it could just have been v'ata esh l'chacha. Uh, uh, the fact that the l'chacha is there, though it's in this, as you said, sort of a mild command form, I think it implies a choice. I mean, God can say go, but Moses has to make the choice to go. And in fact, we're going to see he doesn't quite make the choice to go immediately. So there's a choice for him, go, and then God, and then I will send you. So you make a choice, and then I'm going to be with you. You're going to be representing me. 
it's, it's two really important parts. And in fact, as I said, Moshe is going to not respond immediately to that first part of it. Um, so I th think there's two, two things going on here. And uh, that, that choice, I find that, that, in fact, there's a kind of choice, a decision that Moshe has to make. And you're saying the decision point rests in between the lacha and the vi'eshlachacha. That yeah. it's a it's it's a way of responding to Joanna's point about the order that the yeah. lacha is almost go. Will you go? Oh, you'll mm -hmm. go. Okay, then I'm going right. to send you to take my people out. Right. Great, uh, Rebecca, and then Marshall will read the JPS. So I think what I have to say is exactly opposite of what Tovas just said. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I was looking at this again. And then, um, you know, in English, we can say, I'm going to clean my room in the future. I think in French has the same structure. Hebrew, a little less so, although in modern Hebrew, you can say that a little bit. Um, but I'm wondering if actually it's that if these two verbs are referring to one entity so that God and Moses are the same sort of force in this whole process. So now go, let's go and I'll send you is really rather than separating between you have a, you know, you're able to make the decision if you're going to go and then I'll send you rather it's a, we're both going to be sent to Pharaoh and Moses and God are, are part of the same sort of actor basically. So in, in doing that. Um, Great. It is interesting to think just linguistically not necessarily textually, but linguistically about what helper words languages have to denote tense, right? So as you said, in English, um, the, the, the word going becomes a part of a future tense concept, right? I'm, I'm going to do that. Um, in Hebrew, it's an interesting form that if you want to suggest almost like the a conditional or a subjunctive, you use a past tense, hayiti rotse like literally means I was want, but it means I would like. It turns it into a would, right? I remember when I was studying French in elementary school, we had to mat we had to learn the 16 words that take the verb to be, 16 verbs that take the verb to be in the past tense opposed to the verb have. I remember the, I don't remember what they all were, but I remember that the mnemonic was Dr. Mrs. Vandertramp, that there were 16, I can't believe I still remember that from third grade. There were 16 uh, verbs in French that took the verb, to be in the past as opposed to have. So all languages have developed. I, I sometimes think, I sometimes go into a wormhole into my own brain. Why the word use becomes a helper word in the notion of something that's habituated in English. I used to. Sometimes I actually will say the word I used to. I'm like, is that, is that really the word I used to? When I write it out, I actually, I freak myself out. Or I, I, I'm I, I can't convince myself that that's actually the way to do it because it doesn't make any sense. But languages have built these helper words to suggest the, 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 the tense and the subtense of a, of a particular phrase. And, and all this is a buildup to how Rashi is going to read the third of these three verbs or specifically the relationship, the relationship between the second and the third. So thank you for that, Rebecca. Um, Marshall, will you read JPS uh, translation of this verse? Okay, I'm actually start, going to start with verse 9, because there the word viata is translated, is translated there as now, okay. and in verse 10 it's translated as therefore. Okay. So here's verse 9. Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. 
Moreover, I have seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. And in verse 10, come, comma, therefore, comma, I will send you to Pharaoh, and you shall free my people, comma, the Israelites, from Egypt. Read 10 one more time. Come, with a comma, therefore, comma. So pause. So first JPS switches the lacha and the viata, interestingly, renders the lacha as a come and not a go. Okay, keep going. I will send you to Pharaoh, comma. Straight, straight future tense verb, okay. And you shall free my people, comma, the, the Israelites, Great. comma, from Egypt. Great. So that, that shall is fascinating because the shall hovers between a command and a future, right? It's, it suggests that <laughs> it's going to happen, but it's also in the form of I, 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 I sort of insist that you happen. Uh, does anybody, uh, I want to hear Norm and Rachel, but does anybody have um, an art scroll in front of them? Because I want to see how close the art scroll comes to translating the verse the way Rashi is about to read it, which is how they normally do it. Norman, Rachel? Colloquially, we usually say will all the time and don't really distinguish between will and shall. But when I was learning grammar as a child, um, in the first person, the ordinary usage, I shall, is simply in the future tense. But for the second or third person, it's you will or he, she, or they will. But for promises, it's the opposite. I will is a promise, or we will is a promise, but you shall is an imperative or a promise. You shall, he shall, they shall. Those are all in that promise version. The two words sort of flip in the first person. And so when you read that translation as Marshall did... It's completely normal if you're speaking in a very formal way hmm. or writing in a very formal way. Great. I was not aware of that distinction in terms of when when will and when shall is used. Um, I, I like what Dan and Larry wrote, speaking of a nice turn of phrase that more and more you like the JPS less and less. Um, I have the art scroll. Okay. Uh, so did Joel, but, whoever, but since you're unmuted, go ahead. Actually, I'd like to read the art scroll, alter... Ann Kaplan, if you don't mind. Uh, do I, wh- how could I mind? Art scroll. I shall <laughs> not mind. <laughs> and now go, and I shall dispatch you to Pharaoh, and you shall take my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Okay, so art scroll retains the shall of the JPS in the predicate of the sentence, turning the say into a shall. And if we reinsert Norm's comment that it's it is hovering between a prediction versus a command. Go ahead. Alter. And now go that I may send you to Pharaoh mm. and bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Ah, okay. So remember alter because unbeknownst to Rashi, he's arguing against alter. It's because what's very subtle about what alter does is that he, he turns the ve'eshlachacha and the ve'hotzei into into a two-verb single concept. I will send you in order to um, remove them, right? Say that last, read that slowly one more time, Larry. Um, And now go that I may send you to Pharaoh and bring my people to the Israelites, bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Okay, she doesn't quite make the vote say into an infinitive, like I will send you to bring, but it it, it (laughs) seems to be a single flowing thought. 
um, I will send you and, and, and bring. Okay, go ahead next. Well, so then you'll like, you'll like Kaplan. And we like Kaplan because it makes the point we made before. And what now, a high honor. Uh, Arie. <laughs> um, and um, sorry, there's no end. Now go, period. I am sending you to Pharaoh. Bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Does he also not begin the previous sentence, which is a vi'ata, without an and? I know I double negative myself, but is he, there he not? Did. You're, you're right. You're correct. The, the previous sentence he has right now. And this one. How he starts it. And this one just now. Translation is so hard, right? These verbs are not, these words are not hard vocabulary. They're not even hard forms. It's really hard to render an ancient sentence into a modern English. Great. Okay. So um, are we, does anyone else have any other comments or questions this before we look at Rashi? All, this entire conversation was worthy on its own right. And it sets up. If you, if you read Rashi without doing some of the surgery, you wonder what, what, what Rashi is even confused by. But now you realize how much one can be confused by the progression of these verbs or at least intrigued by them. Now Rashi's comment has a little more heft to it. Anyone else? Okay, so Rebecca Menace, you're still up if you're willing to. If you can read the Varashi, the, the Varashi, the Rashi on Vyatalacha. Okay. Okay. So, and if you say, how can I help or how can I be useful? I guess the answer is your your um, your words or what you say will help and you'll get them out. Good. So so a wonderful rendering of the Hebrew there. And now the question is, what's Rashi's question? So we can understand his answer, right? His this is a, a, a occasional way that Rashi comments on a verse by basically um, inter interconnecting parts of the verse with his own. Um, with his own, like adding voice to the verse to string the different parts of it together. So he reads a, an imagined question that God imagines Moshe might ask in response to the first one. God says, go, and I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. Now, Rashi says, imagine God saying to Moshe, Ve'im tamar, and if Moshe, you say, Mato'il, how will it possibly help? Lehoil is an interesting um, um, Hebrew word. Uh, sometimes some of you are aware of the fact that on in um, on some fasts you're supposed to say tsom kal, have an easy fast, and on some fasts you're supposed to have tsom moil. May it be a productive fast. It shouldn't be so easy, right? On Tisha Ab, uh, some people would say you don't say tsom kal. It shouldn't be easy. You're supposed to suffer a little bit that day. Tsom moil. May it be a fast that helps you understand what you're supposed to understand that day, right? So God says, if you say, Moshe, how will it help? Ah, it'll help. You're going to bring out my people. Your words will actually be productive. Okay, we have to be jeopardy here. What's his question? What's his question on the relationship between the verbs such that this is his answer? That's what we have to figure out here. Barry? 
Well, uh, Moshe's, he, he, God's anticipating Moshe saying, well, Moshe saying, well, who am I? Why, why am I going? Uh, that's what the whole say. God, God's, God is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put my spin on this. So you, 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 you've got to go. It's got to be your, your volunteer to go. But I'm going to put a spin on it. So when you go, you're going to go with my, with my, uh, my power. So what question on the, the question to anybody, what question on the verb vihotse is Rashi answering? Norman, Rachel? Moshe knows Pharaoh, and he knows that he can go there and say, let my people go, and Pharaoh's not going to do it. Pharaoh is stubborn and stiff-necked, and he's feeling like this is a fool's errand. So he raises this issue, and God now has to reassure him, I will be with you, and it's going to work. We're going to Good. get them out. Good. So, so Rashi, interestingly, is reading the Vehotse not as a command, but as a future tense, as a prediction, as a nevuah, right? Remember, we discussed how the relationship between command and future is very interesting. The lacha seems to be a command, go. V'yash lachacha seems to be kind of a, a present future verb. I'm, I, okay, I'm sending you. And then Rashi says, why is the next verb a, um, a future tense verb? He doesn't read it as a command. And what I think what he's reading it, I think he's saying, and why isn't it an infinitive? Why isn't it ve'eshlachacha lahotzi? I'm, gonna, I'm sending you, why am I sending you? In order to bring them out, which I think is the way, at least, I think the second of the, of the translations that, um, um, that Larry read was sort of in that direction. I think that was alter. Sort of reads the Vehotse as a Lahotse. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Israel, out of Egypt. Rashi says, it doesn't say that. It says it as a future tense verb. Why is it a future tense verb? Ah, you have to imagine before we get the explicit hesitation by Moshe in the next verse, where it says, Mianochi, God is already anticipating Moshe's modest, um, hesitating stance. And you, Moshe, want to know why I'm sending you and how is it, how is it going to be helpful? I predict that I command you will, not you shall even, you actually will bring my people out of Egypt. So before Moshe articulates his nervousness about this situation, according to Rashi, God turns this command into a prediction. It is going to happen. It's going to materialize exactly this way. Uh, uh, Sue, Rick, Joel. Um, and to add to that, I think that um, uh, it, it, Moshe, Moshe is saying how. You know, it, you said what? what is the question that Rashi is answering? And I think the question is, um, it, Moshe saying, how, how will this help? How will I help? And Rashi, and the answer is your words, your words are what's going to make the difference. Your words are going to get them out of Egypt. It's, it's, you know, how's he going to do it? It's not like he's going to go and storm the castle all by himself. He's right. going to do it with words. Um, right. And it's not, and, and Moshe, it's not a maybe. And you who are about to out yourself, Moshe, as, as, as Kfad Lashon, right, as heavy of, of tongue um, and not a person of words, it, it's not a maybe that your words are going to be successful. It's a certainty. Now, that's a choice by Rashi because you can indeed read the Vahotse as part two of a command, in which case it's not responding to, 
and anxiety by by Moshe. You can also read it the way Alter, I think, kind of reads it, which is like an infinitive, not in the form of infinitive, but part two of a verb. But Rashi says, no, it's a future tense. Why is it a future, t- future tense? God is reassuring it is going to happen. Uh, Rick, Joel? Uh, just a little on the trope, uh, the directionality, the say you go down, then you come back up. So you're going to go to Egypt, and then you're going to come back out. And um, I didn't read ahead, but it's the same trope on the same verb, next verse. No, you never read ahead. Um, it's just there that, in front of me. It's just there. I think Rick's, I think Rick's autobiography has been called, Sometimes a Tavir is Just a Tavir. <laughs> but I love that. that the, the, the musicality of the Habot say of the, the Tavir brings you, you're going down, you're going up. Wonderful. I love it. Um, Joel, and then Joanna, and then Rebecca. Well, I'm going to take issue with Rashi or your reading of Rashi. How about it? Chotze is, is clearly not a future. Uh, it, so the future would be Vehotzeta, if it's Vavipuch, or it's a Vetotziam, as Rashi says. Right. Um, so I don't. I don't see how you can read that as as a future. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a. I think it's a. <laughs> with, with, I, I have no problem being um, critiqued. I think it's more of a critique of Rashi than a critique of me on Rashi because I think I'm. I think I'm understanding Rashi correctly, and I think that Rashi is reading Bahotse as a future. And you're right. You could say back to Rashi, but it's a command, and if it's a command, then your contention doesn't really hold. Um, I, I don't have an encyclopedic recall of this, but I think it's also the case that sometimes in biblical Hebrew, more often than we might be aware right now, that a future concept is, um, um, and even in modern Hebrew, but it's certainly biblical Hebrew, a future concept appears in a tzivui form. So for instance, I'm just trying to think of an obvious modern usage of this. Um, um, right, like, Tavilia uh, Talechem, Right, um, like is is it's made, well. It's actually the reverse. It's it's actually uh, making a request of someone in a verb form that could also appear just as a future. So there is a some there is somewhat of an interchangeability between the two. But you're right that Rashi's comment hinges on our reading this vahotse as vitotzi. That is correct. Joanna Rebecca. Um. I think Rashi, in a way, also comes to answer the question that I posed, because Rashi very much sees a relationship between the Eshlachacha and Vehotse. So those two should be together. Like if Eshlachacha was at the beginning of the sentence, it would be harder to pair those two together. Um, but then arguing a little bit about, against that is when you look at the trope of the verse, um, the etnachta is the eshlachacha el paro. That's where the major break is in the sentence. So by the trope, it's more so that lechan the eshlachacha are more closely connected because they're in the same half of the sentence. Yeah, so great. Um, just to put a, a fine point in what Joanna says, the etnachta is that wishbone-shaped uh, trope. It's essentially, even though it's not always kind of mathematically halfway through the verse, it's it's conceptually and musically halfway through the verse. You might even make the argument that Rashi, either consciously or unconsciously, is responding to the pause between the paro and the hotse, which allows Rashi to imagine this 
mini conversation between God and Moshe in between, right? El Paro, pause. And then Moshe, and then God sees a little bit of anxiety on Moshe's face. Is he wondering if it's going to work? Ah, I see that you're anxious. The hey, don't worry, it's going to happen. You're going to bring them out. And then maybe in Israel, you try him. So, so that that Echnach actually could be read supporting several different um, translations of the verse. Wonderful, Joanna. Uh, Rebecca? Um, I was thinking that maybe what Rashi is trying to answer is the question why the word Vesh Lechacha is there at all. Okay. Because you could read it as Vata And so the question is, why is that in there? Maybe the answer is because you're not going to be going on your own. I will send you and then your words will help. That way you can help. So the question is, why does God, you know, have to send if he is already sending him? And the answer is because you're the words that I'll send you with will, will help. Nice. So that could be that Rashi is commenting not only on the form of a Hotzei, but why we even have the Beshlach in the, in the subject of the, of the verse. Great. Look at how, look how much is, pr- is present or potentially present when we when we slow down a verse like this. Wonderful, Larry Diane, and then I think we'll go on to the next verse. Maybe I missed this <clears throat> in thinking about it. So the tensions it, we, we we need mathematical expression with parentheses here. Yes. So is is God saying is we're all kind of implying and as clearly Rashi's implying. Now go, <clears throat> I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you will free my people. So it, the, it, it's a question I forget, I think it was Joel raised about whether the Hotze, the Hotze refers then to Moses or not. But reading again, the altar, I'm convinced that altar sees it completely differently. And he sees it as being, and now, and now go that I, okay, parentheses, may send you to Pharaoh, close parentheses, and, parentheses, bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, close parentheses. So go so that I can bring my people out of Egypt, not you. I'm just sending you to Pharaoh. Yeah. But I'm the one that's bringing. Except so, the one thing that, that, is, that it seems certainly obvious about the grammar of the verse is that the subject of the Hotzei is not I. Because then it would have to be the Otzi. The, the that it's or the or the hotseti, right? It, the the, the hotsei has to be um, directed at a um, a second person singular, or yeah, at a second person singular. So I think I think Alter might get close to that. In that that's why I was I was I was reading your translation of Alter as if Alter was reading the hotsei almost as an infinitive that I'm going to send you in order to. Um, so almost like as if there's, there's no subject of a hotsei, it's, it's a continuation of ascending. But I don't think it makes any sense to read the, the hotsei as a continuation of God's being the subject of the verb, at least not grammatically. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because that Aleph would have to be there in the same way that it's in front of the Eshlachacha. As, as an implied infinitive, maybe. And so that, that, that the purpose of my sending is 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 the removal is the extraction uh barry yeah i just want to be uh repetitive i guess it's 
Moshe is volunteering to go, but God is in the Hotse, God's impregnating Moshe with God's power. So Moshe is going to be doing this, uh, impregnated with God's power. Yeah, and we're going to get more into that relationship in the next few verses, because, you know, given even with everything we've said, we're still just in the first verse of the quite extended engagement between Moshe and God about Moshe's task, right? And we've actually anticipated somewhat fancifully, because we know the story, Moshe's response. On the shot, Moshe hasn't even responded yet. Rashi inserts Moshe's response there before the say. But on the shot, God is just in the, in the first sentence of saying God's plan for Moshe, and we have no response. But we're about to get a response, so I'll use that as a, as a segue. Um, okay. Uh, Matt, are you here, and can you read the next verse, or are you not at a place where you can do that? Going once, going twice. Oh, now I can see you. Matt, do you want to read or no? We can't hear you yet. You have to unmute. But I think you're walking, so you probably can't read. Or you can't or you can read. I cannot read, thank you. Okay. <laughs> that took that took a while to establish that. Okay. Um, who have we not heard from? Uh, Andrew, are you at a place where you can read? One second. Um I'm sorry, are we reading the Rashi or the or the or Yud Aleph? Yud Aleph. Vayomer Moshe El Ha Elohim, Mianochi Ki Elech El Faro, Vichiotzi at Bine Yisrael Mi Mitzrayim. And Moshe said to God, um, who, am, who am I that I should go to Paro and get and free um, the Israelites from Egypt? Good, right? So that, that renders the verse pretty fully. Um, pretty immediately you can see that we'll have another um, set of hoops to jump through to figure out the tenses of these verbs. And we have our, our, our favorite pluripotent preposition key doing all sorts of different things here, right? And you know, if you're in Hebrew, one a word in modern, in the modern world, you learn that key is because biblical Hebrew is, is much more kaleidoscopic than because. Um, so we'll have to think about what it's, what it means in this verse, and does it mean the same thing both times it shows up? If you're wondering why it's ki and vechi, uh, just to remind you about beged kefet, the six letters um, that when they appear in the beginning of a word or the beginning of a syllable after a hard stop, take a dagesh and make it them harder. But if they're in a place in a, ver- in a word that does not require a dagesh, the, the, the dot, the dot comes out and that changes the, the pronunciation. In modern Hebrew, that changes the pronunciation on only some of them. In ancient Hebrew and in still in Sephardic, Yemenite Hebrew, it uh, changed the pronunciation on all of them. So since the v'chi has a vav in front of it, and therefore the kaf, kaf of ki, chi, is no longer the beginning of a um, word, and it's not after a shvanach, a full resting shva, but rather a shvana, a, a shva that makes a sound, no longer has a dagesh, and it's vechi. Okay. Um, notice also that uh, a couple of things that could have been written in different ways. Um, it's Vayomer Moshe El Ha Elohim. Sometimes we have Elohim, sometimes Ha Elohim, right? We don't always know what to do with it, but it's worth, it's worth noticing. Notice that it's Anochi and not Ani, uh, where in, in our Torah reading cycle, we're, we're a few days past um, um, uh, 
Yitro, and one of the most commented upon verses in all of Torah is Anochi Adonai Lohecha, the first line of the Ten Commandments. In fact, if you open up Safaria and you go to that verse, uh, sometimes on Safaria on a verse on the commentary, you'll see three comments, eight comments, 12 comments. On that verse, you're going to find 70. Everyone has something to say about why it's Anochi and not Ani. So does that mean something here or does it not? Are these are just are these just synonyms, Ani and Anochi, or um, is there a reason? I'm going to put in a parenthesis here because it's just a thing. Uh, I think it's the Mehashiloach, the Ishbitzer Rebbe, who re- on, on, on the Ten Commandments, Anochi, Adonai Lohecha, he reads the difference between, he says, what's, what's the difference between Ani and Anochi? It's a kaf. Ani is Aleph Nun Yud. Anochi is Aleph Nun Kaf Yud. What is a kaf on its own in Hebrew? It means it's a limiting. It's, it's a like. It's an as if. It's a ki. It's, a, it's an almost. And the Ishbitzer says that had it just been Ani, God's revelation would have been complete and solved all the mysteries of the divine reality. But God put in a cuff in God's own name, like, like I and the Lord your God, meaning you're not going to get all of me in this moment and you're not even going to get all this, all me forever. But the, the reality of being in a theological relationship is trying to figure out how to get from Anochi kind of a partial view of God to Ani, the full view of God. I think it's such a, a, a lovely, a whimsical reading of Anochi. But in our verse, does um, is Anochi there for a reason? And then um, I, I like how Andrew translated it. And once again, we can ask the question about what the tenses are. Vayomer Moshe seems to be a va, s- simple vav ha'ipuch, future tense verb denoting a past tense action, right? And Moses said, doesn't seem to be, too complicated. Mi anochi ki elech. That ki kind of helps us understand the elech, which is written as a future tense verb, something like, who am I such that I will go? Who am I that I will go? Right? It's the, the will go is clear, but the ki um, does something to it. El paro. The chi otzi is the, and, and, is this a continued question, a continued interrogative, such that I will um, bring the people out of Egypt? Are we supposed to read the mi anochi twice? Mi anochi paro. Who am I that I will go to Pharaoh? And now it implied, oh, mi anochi. And who am I that I will take them out of Egypt? Or is the mi anochi only there really once? Who am I that I should go to Egypt? Am I really going to take the Israelites out of Egypt? Right. So, there are a lot of questions, even on, uh, on a verse where the words vocabulary is not that complicated. So let's pause here for comments or questions on that, and then we'll see how Rashi handles it. I also definitely want to share with you Everett Fox's translation of this, verb, uh, this verse and, and hear others. Um, I'm really enjoying in general the fact that we're sharing different translations in, a different, in addition to doing surgery on, on ourselves. Rick and then Larry Diane. Okay, so on uh, Anochi, the last time we had Anochi was verse 6, and, and God is saying who he is, who, who God is. I shouldn't say he. So, Elohei Avicha, Elohei Abraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov. So, a lot of identification there. So, here's the parallel to Moses. Who am I? I I'm not any of those things. I'm, I'm nothing. I, I just, I like the, the Anochi twice. That's all. And, and you're saying, and the, and the, the, the mianochi, the humility of, mi, of mianochi in contrast to 
Adonai, Elohei Abraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov. Yeah. Great. Uh, Larry, Diane? So quickly, I'm res- responding to Rick to some extent. Again, if you go way back, it's in verse 7 that God as Adonai is speaking, but he never uses his name to Moshe. So Moshe doesn't actually know that this is yud heh vav Adonai, whatever you want to translate. He doesn't know the name of God. So <clears throat> Moshe is thinking of him only as the God. He doesn't know his name. And God hasn't told him his name. And the second comment is, I would love for you at some point to contrast this with all the different times that a prophet has <clears throat> first been charged with something, uh, to do something in, in his reaction. We think of Jonah. Rick and I talked last week at the Haftarah Thora about Isaiah, who had a similar reaction. But then unlike Moses, he then eventually responded, okay, I'll go, you know, very happily. So that's probably a dissertation, but it'd be interesting to, to contrast the different responses. Okay, and I want to say something about this word anochi. Anochi is um, is like an important I. So in some sense, Moshe is asking, <clears throat> am, am I this important I that can do this? Mm. Um, as opposed to me and me? Ah, since, are you saying that since God had introduced God's self as Anochi, Moshe right. is saying, am I you? Am I, by saying am I, I, oops, someone trying to call me, stop that. I just forget to turn off this. Sorry, everybody. You're muted, Rabbi. I muted, I muted myself so you didn't have to hear all that while it's taking me time to un, undo it. You're saying almost as if who am I is a way of saying am I you, right? Great. Or um, am I so important? Is it, am I worthy of this title, Anochi? Yeah. Look who thinks he's a nothing. Um, Larry, <laughs> um, what it, said the last thing you were going to say, because I was going to say something in response to it, and then I got interrupted by that phone call. Um, About comparing this to other times that prophets ah, Thank you. So uh, Micha Goodman, who I think is, is my favorite living Jewish mind uh, at the Hartman Institute and many other places, he gave a wonderful shiur this past summer on the book of Jonah and comparing Jonah's reticence to Moshe's reticence. No one is as good as, at, at short turns of phrases in, um, as Micha is. And it's amazing that he does it in his second language. Um, he says, Moshe is resistant to take the task because he's concerned he's going to be unsuccessful. Jonah is resistant to take the task because he's concerned he's going to be successful. Moshe's concerned he's going to go and fail Jonah is concerned he's going to succeed. He's going to succeed in convincing the Ninevites to repent. And therefore, they're not going to get what's actually coming to them. Because in the beginning of the book, um, Jonah Jonah almost believes that they are due the destruction that that, uh, God is threatening. So it's such an interesting difference that do we we shy away from tasks because we're certain we're going to stumble? Or are we afraid of what will happen if we're as successful as we can be? So, yes, I'm sure other dissertations have been written on as well, but that's what comes to mind. Um, Larry, while you're uh, unmuted, can you read, I don't know, give us all three. Okay, Alter has, and Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh 
and that I should bring out the Israelites from Egypt. This is that was Alter. That's Alter. Okay. Ari Kap, um, Kaplan says, "Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh?" Said Moses to God, hmm. "And how can I possibly get the Israelites out of Egypt?" Right. So those two are totally different from each other, right? The first one reads. The, the second, the Chiyotzi, as a continuation of the Mianochi, and the right. second reading says they're two different concepts, right? Um, reading that etnachta, very etnachtaistically. Um, Everett Fox is more like um, the first, altar. Moshe said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, comma, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, suggesting that the that continues through the idea and just read Art Scroll, and then we'll hear from Ilan, Renee, and Joel. The Art Scroll is pretty straightforward. It says, Moses replied to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should take the children of Israel out of Egypt? Uh-huh. Okay. I'll only say to Norm, Norm Green, that must really bother you. Since Why? he wrote, he's really bothered by the concept of uh-huh. Moses being responsible because, for God. Because... The Haggadah tells us that God brought us out from Egypt and that it was not Moshe. And this has been a very important thing to me for a very long time. Um, Okay, Elon and then Renee. Yeah, so I'm a little bit curious about the general assumption and that we take Moses at face value that he's in fact motivated by humility. And the reason I think of that is that if I were Moses, not to not to put myself in his place, and and God was speaking to me through a burning bush, I would assume that God knew what God was talking about and had picked me for a reason. My 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 reason for not accepting the role would be selfish, meaning that I've got a great gig. I'm here. I'm a shepherd. I'm money my own business. I have a nice wife. I have kids. It's all beautiful. Who needs the aggravation? But of course, one can't say that to God because it looks bad. So it says, dude, I'm not your guy. Who am I? I'm just a lowly, lowly guy over here. You could probably find somebody better. I'm curious whether this is my own warped interpretation or other people have thought the same thing. It could be that it's your warped interpretation and other people have said the same. <laughs> um, there are definitely reads of, of Moshe's uh, humility as representing more a lack of faith. When you, and, and Diane was going to kind of get close to that. When you, Moshe, said, who am I? You're kind of saying to God, who are you? Right? If you've tapped me and I still say, who am I? I am evincing a lack of belief in you, God, your ability to do what you say you're going to do. So yes, there, there's a, there's a substream. I, I, I'm not, I can't recall in my mind, um, classic Midrashim on this from the, from the, from the rabbinic era from Chazal, but there are definitely, um, Hasidic texts that read at least part of Moshe's hesitancy as, as exhibiting a lack of belief that, God can actually do what God's saying he will do. So, yeah. So uh, if you're warped, then so are the Hasidim. Uh, Renee. I think it was already covered, but I, I wanted to read what the Saperstein translation was. And it was, inter- it was interesting to me that in Saperstein, um, that, that it said should take, 
as opposed to what you read with Everett Fox, where it said should bring. Can you read the whole verse? Um, Saperstein says, Moses replied to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should take the children of Israel out of Egypt? Take, bring, right. Take, bring, go, come. Right. Are those interchangeable or are, are they not? Saperstein is the, is the art scroll. So no, Saperstein, no, Saperstein is not the art scroll. Saperstein is the, is the Saperstein translation of the Rashi, right? Um, so uh, yeah, and, and, and then that subtle distinction between that and, and that that we've seen in the, in the, in the different translations. Uh, Joel, and then we'll finish with Barry. So I want to offer a translation that flies in the face of this distinction between Moshe is afraid of failure and Jonah is afraid of success. If you translate the first key as the that and the second key as if. So who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And what if and if I take them out of Egypt, then what do I do with them? <laughs> Great. Um, I don't remember ever reading that verse that way. And, 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 I, and I like what it adds to the contours of Moshe's mind, particularly since Rashi in the previous verse was trying to anticipate what's going on in Rashi's mind. And, and let's remember that read, Joel, when we get to the next verse, which we're obviously not going to get to today, and see if the next verse adds some color to that part of what might be happening in, in, in Moshe's mind. Um, you know, every verse I think would be worthy of a bibliodrama, but it would be really fascinating to interview Moshe in this moment in a bibliodramatic way and find out what, what's going on for him in, in, the, in the exact moment that this task is being laid out for him. Which parts of it is he most concerned? Barry, you get the last word. Well, I want to go to the, uh, the extra hay in the Ha Elohim. Mm-hmm. Uh, up, up until now, there are a lot of uh, external stimuli that Moshe has seen and heard. Moshe does not consider himself to be integral with God. Uh, God has made this statement just before that he, he God, is going to put the spin on Moshe so that Moshe, when he goes, will be successful. Moshe doesn't buy that yet. So he sees himself as an I, me, separately from God. So who, who am I? Mm-hmm. He, he, he doesn't see his connection yet. Whereas had, it, had Moshe invoked yud heh vav would have suggested a more intimate connection. Great. And so that's not only a comment on Elohim versus yud heh vav Adonai, but between Elohim and Ha-Elohim, a, a figurehead divinity. Great. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.